You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM, and we are speaking to Margareta Dovgal, Managing Director at Resource Work Society. And this week's topic is Premier David Eby's first budget and what it means for British Columbians. Margareta, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Good morning, my Karen. Great to be here. Now, on Tuesday, Finance Minister Katrine Conroy tabled the provincial budget, her first in the role, as well as the first one to mark David Eby's term as Premier. How well do you think it addresses the top concerns of British Columbians? All in all, I think the government is making a strong effort to address the top concerns of British Columbians, uh, particularly in areas like affordability, health care, housing. I can think of more than a couple of complaints I've heard in the last couple of months on each of those files, uh, and they're certainly alive to them. Uh, I would say the budget has some very significant investments in health care, uh, a record $1 billion for mental health in particular. So I'm quite excited about that. I think there's uh, some value to it. Uh, other initiatives are being rolled out to address the high cost of living, uh, such as the long-awaited uh, renter's tax credit, which was uh, promised uh, several years back, uh, as well as uh, free prescription contraceptives. Uh, in fact, I actually found it really interesting how much coverage that uh, garnered. Uh, not a huge spend for government, but uh, seemingly does plug in with some people's priorities. Uh, but balanced with some awareness of affordability, there are drivers of costs going up. Uh, the carbon price, uh, as scheduled, is going to keep going up. Uh, and, of course, it's also worth noting that some of these measures to address affordability aren't going to come into effect until 2024 or even later. And I thought it was interesting. There was significant funding for reconciliation with Indigenous peoples. Uh, much of that is through the continued implementation of BC's DRIPA, Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples Act legislation. Uh, but there's still so much more work to be done in this area. And in my view, a lot of that has to be work that government enables to occur in the private sector. Uh, government can do so much, but a lot of the change has to happen in broader society as a whole. And economic reconciliation, as we know, can be a huge driver of this, especially if business conditions are good. And I say overall, while the BC budget is very ambitious, it does remain to be seen how effective it's going to be in addressing the top concerns uh, that many people have been talking about for many, many months. Uh, I'm also concerned, like many economists are, that it might create some unexpected challenges for the economy. Uh, more money uh, you know, being distributed to British Columbians through a variety of tax credits uh, does also translate to potential inflationary pressure, uh, and that could increase... Uh, risk of rising interest rates, and also diminished savings. Um, so that is a bit of a concern. Uh, of course, it all has to be paid for somehow as well. Mm-hmm. Now, let's dive into that a bit more. Revenues and the fiscal outlook, some hefty spending commitments have now been made. How will they be funded, and what effect will they have? Well, there's no one denying that it's quite ambitious, uh, and a lot of these spending commitments are being funded through what you would expect, a combination of the operating surplus from previous years, and there was one. Unfortunately, we're not looking at uh, more surpluses to come, uh, projected revenues from taxes and fees, and borrowing. And there's going to be a lot of borrowing. Uh, the government's own projections show that the province is going to post deficits over the next three years, uh, starting with $4.2 billion dollars. 2023-2024, uh, falling down a little bit, but still a big number, $3.8 billion in 2024-25, and then just down to $3 billion in 2025-26. Uh, and that's, that's hefty. That's hefty. Uh, the government has also indicated that economic growth is going to be slowing down in the coming years. Uh, then that might affect the fiscal outlook to come. Uh, and, of course, that translates to some real potential burdens for taxpayers 
current and future. Uh, that taxpayer-supported debt uh, that hits every budget every year, and government continues having to pay uh, even after uh, hands of government change, uh, as the case often is, uh, that's going to hit $63.7 billion at the end uh, of this fiscal cycle. And the debt-to-GDP ratio is going to be about 18% uh, this year and next. Um, and this ratio is still relatively low compared to other provinces. Um, but it is important to note that government is going to continue have to borrow to fund all of these spending commitments. And that's going to further increase that ratio over time. Uh, and, of course, uh, while there may be some effects in the short term, um, there's also concern about the long-term sustainability of the fiscal outlook. Uh, our ability to borrow money depends on how much debt burden we have, and the more you borrow, um, harder it becomes to pay it all back. Uh, the more of a chunk of uh, all your revenues for a year it takes up. Um, and of course, to I suppose your question, um, decisions about uh, some of the key economic drivers in our provincial economy are actually bringing revenues down. Uh, the government has chosen to restrict uh, natural gas production. Um, they, they've done that through backlogs and permitting and, and delays. Um, some of it justified, some of it down to inefficiency and uh, not, not good uh, allocations of, of resources uh, within government. Uh, some of that is down to decreases in fiber available for forestry. Uh, and, of course, mining production as well. Um, so all of these cumulatively are projected to have major impacts that can't be explained by global commodity prices alone. Uh, in fact, natural resource revenues are going to drop by 33% for the next two years. And this slowed output also shrinks these sectors' overall contribution to other components of the tax base, like corporate and income taxes. Um, so there is sort of a, a, a challenging balance to strike, um, but the general principle should be that if you're spending more, you need to be bringing more in or making every possible uh, measure you can to raise revenues by driving private sector activity. And we're just not seeing enough evidence of that right now. What does the budget tell you about the government's approach to natural resource development? Well, I mentioned the revenues issue, and uh, it's not uh, that's not the only issue. Of course, it is a sizable one. Um, it reflects the BCNDP's approach um, to industrial, environmental, and resource policies. Um, but jobs are a very, very big part of it. And workers and families are being hit hard in these sectors. Um, you know, mills have been closing. We've been hearing headlines like this for weeks and months. Um, well dr- drilling uh, slowed down in some cases, uh, although new investment is coming up. Um, and new mines and linear infrastructure that could be built sooner, uh, creating more jobs sooner, aren't being built uh, at the pace they could be because of both regulatory uncertainty, not knowing where government wants to go, and permitting delays. Um, and we know that the benefits of resource development stand the province, uh, but it may actually surprise a lot of people to hear that 55% of new job creation from natural resources actually happens in the lower mainland. Uh, you know, never mind this urban-rural divide, that really should be a concern for everyone. And it is positive that the B.C. government seems to grasp the horrible permitting backlog that needs to be cleared, and they've committed to improving uh, that process 
as well as modernizing the overall service model for permitting. Um, they've actually committed $77 million to help speed up natural resource permitting, uh, plus $6 million over three years to develop a critical mineral strategy. Uh, the federal government, of course, released theirs uh, a little while back. And the budget also includes commitments to uh, implement an Indigenous Guardians training program under the Future Ready Plan, uh, $21 million over three years to have more forest landscape planning tables. Uh, and really what these mean is uh, initiatives in an era of reconciliation where uh, Indigenous communities are uh, being empowered as rights holders to make decisions about, about resources for them to actually have the internal capacity to, to make those decisions in a timely way that aligns with businesses' needs. Um, but the essential split here among many experts, and I think I know where I am on this, whether I'm an expert or not, is whether uh, new money from government and some degree of capacity increase can actually make up for overall inefficiency in these systems and lots and lots of red tape. Um, so that's something that I think government should be looking at a little bit more closely. Uh, overall, uh, the BCNDP continues to signal a desire for economic transition, uh, You know, not only away from fossil fuels, but away from resource extraction, which I think is the general vibe we're getting from, from a lot of levels of government at this point. Um, but without a demonstrated ability to fully back it up, uh, with a plan that doesn't compromise on the quality of life of British Columbians, it's not a plan at all. And that's really the piece that I feel is missing right now. Uh, if you're talking about economic transition, find ways to drive high productivity economic growth um, that equal the impact of natural resources. And if you can't do that, focus on innovation and supporting uh, continued value creation in a highly productive industry that you already have. And we have many of those. And they're ready to work on the benefit, for the benefit of British Columbians. Finally, the word on the street is that Premier David Eby is doing the rounds on the budget. And tomorrow he'll be speaking to the Surrey Board of Trade. What does that tell us? And what do you think Eby should say? Well, it's usually a thing that the finance minister does when it comes to the, the budget. So I think it's quite interesting. Uh, certainly signals that the BCNDP is nothing if not alive to the needs of voters in the Fraser Valley. That's an especially strategic area for them electorally. And the demographics of Surrey, I think, are important to consider here. I grew up in Surrey, and as a second-generation immigrant myself, I, I know it's a vibrant community with many, many immigrants, uh, many of them first-generation, particularly from across the Pacific Ocean. And uh, a lot of the trends that are happening in that region of the world um, are ones that British Columbia has a very significant input to. Uh, countries like Pakistan, India, Malaysia, uh, China, to some extent, are freeing themselves from poverty today. And to do this, they're building a lot of new coal plants, uh, which are, we know, fairly polluting when they're used for uh, energy production. And uh, we're hearing that they would prefer to use cleaner fuels, uh, like Canada has to offer, that's liquefied natural gas. And I feel a really strong message here is that Premier Eby could really boost his popularity with new Canadians if he leaned into this message, that he and his government were doing all they could to share this good fortune of Canada for the benefit of the planet and prosperity by expanding the case for BC liquefied natural gas. I think that would be a really great message for new Canadians to be able to send back home. Unfortunately, right now, it looks like the Premier is tied up in some political knots created by those who don't believe that climate is a global issue in this sense. And, of course, when he's speaking to Surrey business people, no doubt there's going to be a lot of folks there from the forest product sector. The city has many sawmills that add value to sustainably harvested wood. And in many cases, families are uncertain right now whether their breadwinner is going to have a job 
under the conditions that have partially been created by the provincial government's policy. So demonstrating awareness of the business community's needs in this sense, I think would be the appropriate move. Mm-hmm. Margareta, thank you so much for your time and breaking the whole budget down for us. Really appreciate it. You have a wonderful weekend. Take care.